please stay standing for the uh, reading of God's Word found in Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments, expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off from peace to those who were near. For though him, excuse me, for both him and we, Peace to those who were near, for though him and we both have access in one spirit to the Father, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Build on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In you and also your being built together in a dwelling place for Christ by the Spirit. So ends the reading. Be seated. Let's pray real quick. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that we can worship you. And so God, as we continue today to dig into this, this passage and as we continue today to think through what this passage means for us in our lives, we ask that you speak loud. We ask that you speak clearly. I I ask specifically that you speak loud through me. God, we know that this world is full of craziness, that this world is upside down, it seems, at times. Specifically now. This week, God, we saw all kinds of craziness happen. And so, God, we ask that you come into this place and help us to understand that you are still in charge. God, that you are still the God that you say you are. So, God, as we work, as we work through this text this morning, God, speak to us. Speak loud and speak clearly. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Good morning. morning. That's pretty good. Uh, (laughs) My name is Adam Truax. I usually am leading worship. My wife Megan is on staff, and you guys are stuck with me this morning. So for that, sorry, but hopefully we can get through it. Uh, There's a lot of big words in this text that we just read. Um, And so we're going to dig into that here in a minute. It it seems complicated, and it seems hard. And my my goal this morning is to, to not... To not cheapen it by simplifying it, but to simplify it so that it's illuminated in our own hearts and minds more clearly. 
So I'm going to try and take this text and just simplify it for us here in this place so that it can live inside of us in a bigger way. So in order to do that, in order to dig into the second half of chapter 2 of Ephesians, we've been digging through Ephesians now. This is our fourth week, chapter 1, and then chapter 2. Zach last week walked us through the first half. So in order to dig into the second half, we have to remember what the first half said. And the first half of Ephesians is a really simple message. You were dead and now you're alive. Right? It seems like a really simple message. You were once dead, hopeless, having nothing that you could offer to the world. Because of your sin, because of your separation from God, you were dead, spiritually. Verse 4, the best word in the Bible, according to me, but God. Right? But God. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. But God, right? We were dead and now we're alive. If you guys aren't excited about that, there's a problem, right? We gotta get excited. When we're brought back to spiritual life, because of God's love for us. It's huge. And so that frames where we're going in the second half of Ephesians. That frames the picture of where we're going, how we're gonna get there, and everything. Because the first word in chapter, in, in chapter two, verse 11, says this, therefore. So therefore, we have to remember what was before it, and it was that you were dead in your life. Remember that, Paul's saying. Don't forget that, that's huge. Therefore, remember That at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in flesh by hands. So first, we have to pause for a second. And if you don't know what circumcision is, uh, I'm not going to tell you. But uh, last night at the chili cook-off, Scott Sterling said, if anybody has questions, he'd be willing to fill you in in whatever detail you might need after the service. So go see him. He's an expert, apparently. Uh, (laughs) Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. Paul's saying, remember Gentiles. So Paul is writing not to the Jewish nation, but to the Gentile nation. He's saying, remember, you were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. So what he's saying is, remember that feeling when you were kind of talked down to by the Jewish people around you, right? The Jewish, the Jewish people were asked by God, Abraham was asked by God in Genesis, you can go read it, to, to circumcise himself and his family as a physical remembrance of God's covenant to Abraham in his life. A physical remembrance of God's covenant to Abraham and his descendants, Isaac, Jacob, the tribe of Israel, all of the Jewish nation knows their promises that God has given them and they're reminded of that through the act of circumcision. And so when the Gentiles are called the uncircumcision by those who were called the circumcision, it is not a like, hey, you're a Gentile and you're a Jew. No, it's a, it's a term of derision or ridicule or mockery 
towards the Gentiles. As if saying, you don't know what I know. You don't have the history with God that I have the history of God with God. And so the Jewish nation and the Gentile nation are separated. There's some sort of division there. There's some name calling going on. There's some racism going on. This isn't new, this stuff that's going on in our world today. It's not new. It's been going on for a long time. Division is real. And it's all over the place. Verse 12, remember that you were separated. At that time, you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Paul is writing to the Gentiles saying, remember that feeling? Remember that feeling when you were separated from Christ, you didn't have any hope, you didn't have any rights because you were not a citizen of the Jewish nation. And you were strangers to the covenants of God's promises. You had no hope and you had no God. Remember what that feels like? He's saying, do you remember that division? Some of you today might still feel that division. I'm sure some of them were like, I don't remember a time when this wasn't happening. We live in a world today where headline after headline after headline is pitting one side against the other. Whether it be political or race or sex or whatever it might be. Division is real and it's not new. It's not new. It's a real thing. We see it all the time. It's a sentiment that still reigns today. One group decides that another cannot have full access to the same things that they have full access to. And that can be visualized all over the place. We saw it last Sunday evening in Las Vegas. And we see it in terrorist attacks. And we see it with uh, race situations going on around the country where one side says, hey, I feel slighted. Like I don't have access to everything that others might. Division is real. And Paul is just reminding the Gentiles of Ephesus, hey, this division that you felt or maybe still feel is real and it's okay to feel it, to understand that it's real. But we can't live in it. We can't live in it. Closer to home, what does it look like for us? Because we might not be involved in any major attack or anything going on. We might not even know anybody who's been involved in those things. But what does it look like for us for real? Is this. We don't tend to draw near to people who are different than us because it's hard and it's uncomfortable. And it's, it's, it makes us uneasy at times. Gateway's not a church of judgment. I, I, it was a beautiful picture last night at the chili cook-off of people from all walks of life just enjoying a beautiful night together, right? But did you have conversations with people you've never had conversations with? 
Did you seek that out? We, we might not be actively seeking out division in our lives, but we might be inactively doing that because we are not pursuing those who are different than us in any way. I'm guilty of it all day long. It's easy to get comfortable in my world. How many of you guys were ever the new kid at school? Hands up. I was. Third grade, August of third grade, moved to Kearney, Missouri, the metropolis of Kearney, Missouri back then. And Mrs. McIntyre was my teacher. Nobody liked her. And um, she was tough. And I remember we moved to town two weeks before school started, so it's not like we had any time to get to know anybody. And you walk into the school blind, and you don't know any of the social constructs that are around. You don't know how to function. You don't know where to put your backpack or, or where the lunchroom is or how to, where's the restroom at? What's the protocol for all of these things you don't know? And you're on the outside looking in. And I remember just distinctly going, nobody's even willing to help. Nobody's pointing you in the right direction. Nobody's willing to say, yes, you might be new, you might be different, but that's okay. Right? And it takes time as the new kid at school. But that same feeling happens, I'm sure, on a weekly basis in this gym for some of us. Where we walk in and we don't know the protocol. We don't know the social constructs. We don't understand when do we stand, when do we sit, when do we, when do we sing, when do we not. We don't know those things. And we might not even know how to walk this Christian life out. Because some of us aren't willing to say yes to the differences in that moment. We're not actively seeking it, but we're inactively creating division in our world. Division is real, and it causes all kinds of issues. Another favorite word, it's another but. Verse 13, but in the midst of all of that, in the midst of understanding that division is real, in the midst of understanding that we are part of the problem, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. You see, we have this picture now of redemption, but now, verse 13, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, you who were once the new kid at school, you who were once the new person who's trying to walk out this walk with Jesus, were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, for he himself is our peace. So where there was once division, there is now peace. 
Division is real, but peace is here. Division is real, but peace is here. For he himself is our peace. And he's made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So he's taken both sides of the problem, the Jews and the Gentiles back in the day. And, and, and he says he's made us both one. He's brought them together and made them the same. By breaking down his flesh, he tore down the dividing wall of hostility. He takes us on either side of the dividing wall and he says, you are both broken people and I'm going to die for you on the cross and therefore make you the same in the eyes of God. And if you grab hold of that and say yes to Jesus, yes, he did die for me and make me the same. We then are redeemed children of God and we know his peace. Division is here, but Division is real, but his peace is here. He tears down the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law, verse 15, of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so by making peace. So he tears down all these old rules that the Jewish people were having to live by. All these old constructs where you have to live a specific way. You have to do these specific things in order to be saved by God. Instead, he says, no, there is just Jesus. And you're no longer different groups of people. You're all the same. Under one banner, Jesus. Peace in the Hebrew is shalom. The word shalom. And just to get really simple with it, because you can go all over the place with the definition. To be complete. Peace. To be complete. Right? This dividing wall of hostility, this division that's real has been brought to brought down by the shalom of God, being made complete in Jesus Christ and redeemed by him. Division is real, but peace is here. The wall of hostility is gone and a new temple of peace is being built, not only for the Jews and the Gentiles, but for us here in this church where the differences that might make us slightly different from one another don't matter because we have all said yes to Jesus. And so we're all the same. And for the world, this peace that Jesus offers isn't just for the Jews and the Gentiles. It's not just for the church. It's for the world at large. And we can speak of this peace into the world. In fact, it's our job to speak of this peace to the world. Verse 18. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members 
of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Verse 18 again, for through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. So we now have access to God because of Jesus' death on the cross. Remember, you were dead, but now you're alive. You have access, but not only you, but everybody can have that same access. Those divisions are gone because we're all in the same playing field now. We all are sinners We all have fallen short of the glory of God, as it says in Romans. And the wages of sin is what? Death. We all are on the same playing field. We're all dead. But God, being rich in mercy, loves us and makes us alive again. And that gives us access to God. So it's no longer us and them, but it's all of us together having access to God. No longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So no longer are we confused about what's going on or unsure of our footing or maybe unsure of our even qualifications to be a member of the household of God. He says, no, you are full citizens. You have full rights to that. Full citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, built on those who came before us and said yes to this peace and then preached this peace to the world. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Um. I am not a very, uh, I mean, I'm kind of a handy person, but I'm not like a construction worker, right? I can kind of fix things around the house, and if I need to pour a slab of concrete, I can do it. It would take me a lot longer than a normal person who knows what they're doing to do it, but I can get it done, right? I kind of know what I'm doing, and so <clears throat> there's, um, in, in my world, uh, I, I I have, every once in a while, you just get on YouTube and you start watching things. And usually for me, it's like, hey, I need to do this thing around the house and I've never done it before. And I'm unsure of myself. So you just go on YouTube and literally type in like how to do this. And then the, some, some guy walks you through it step by step. And it's like, oh yeah, totally, I can do it. And then I go do it and it takes me four hours, but he did it in 12 minutes, <laughs> right? But in my, in my watching these videos on YouTube, I found this, this couple and they live in Idaho and they have decided to build a house from scratch by themselves, just the two of them. And they'd have very little construction experience. And me not being a construction worker is incredibly frustrated by watching them because I'm just going, you guys are the worst at this. Cause I can, I'm like, I know how to do that. That's, that's not hard but everything's taking them three or four times longer than it needs to. And they're constantly running running string lines or even using this laser level that they have, these string lines or this laser level to make sure that as they're building a foundation wall, that the wall is straight and it's not crooked and it's not going a different direction. They're running the string line from a specific point on their property as they're doing it. 
And it seems like it's taken them forever even just to set the string line up. They're really, really particular about making sure it's perfect every time. And, and, he's, and he's like, in Idaho in the winter, we get all kinds of crazy snow. And I got to make sure that this foundation is able to hold up the walls of my house in the midst of crazy storms and crazy weather that they might get. So they're always running the string line or using a laser level as a reference point to the corner of their foundation. Jesus Christ himself is our cornerstone. He is our reference point. He is what we can look to as we move through this life to make sure that our house isn't out of whack. So division is real and peace is here and we're now citizens, but something's happening. He's not just saying, hey, you're here, you're a member of my family and that's it. No, he says, you are building something. You are building something and I am your cornerstone. Jesus Christ is your cornerstone. He is your reference point. And he says this, in whom the whole structure, verse 21, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are building a holy temple for the Lord. Being built together into a dwelling place for God. Into a living temple for God. And we have a reference point, and it's Jesus. You see, when we go about this life that we live, and, and we understand that the division that divides us is real, but God's peace is here, and we start to live this life together, willing to put aside our differences and say yes to God under one banner of Jesus with him as a reference point, we get to build up a temple of God where God dwells in us and changes the world around us in a real way. Division is real, but peace is here, and God wants to use it to move us to share him with the world. When we draw near to each other there's, with no walls and no hostility, our voices together are amplified. When we draw near together and remove our differences, remove the things that might make us uncomfortable with each other and say, it doesn't matter, the peace of God is here and amongst us and we're gonna live together and together go out and pursue God with him as a reference point, our voices are amplified. When one person does it, it's like a squeaky mouse. But when collectively, as a team, we're moving, the voices are amplified and God's renown is made bigger and bigger and bigger in our community and in our world. Division is real, but peace is here. And we need to shout it to the world around us. I don't know about you guys, but there are moments in worship experiences where collectively, as one voice, We've sang or at another venue sang and had worship happen where it felt like we were singing, but it felt like it was so much more, right? It felt so much more than just my voice singing or the guy next to me singing, but it felt like God was taking our voices and saying yes and propelling it forward. 
And that's our everyday life when we're in this journey together saying yes to the peace of God and not yes to the division that divides us. When we say yes to the peace of God, he is amplified to the world around us. And when we collectively do that, it gets even more and more and more. And we're gonna sing a song here in a moment that says this phrase, we sang it earlier, it's your breath in my lungs and so I pour out my praise. It's your breath in my lungs and so I pour out my praise. Great are you, Lord. In the midst of pain and suffering, division, racism, sexism, God still draws near to us and brings peace. He brings completeness. He's our hope, he's our foundation, and he's our reference point. Because of this, we can rise up and say, it's your breath in my lungs and I wanna praise you because I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was once divided amongst the people around me, but now we're united together under the banner of Jesus Christ and we can say yes to that. So because of your breath in my lungs, I can't do anything but sing or talk or proclaim how great you are to those around me. I have no choice in that. I have to do it. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of a world that is upside down, we can still stand and rise up and say, great are you, Lord. For you knock down these walls that divide us. For you knock down these walls that divide us and we can come together and bring you praise and glory with our lives. So as the band makes their way up and we're gonna sing here in a minute. There's a couple things I want you to think about. Maybe today you're here and you don't know who this Jesus is that we're even talking about. That you're like, I don't even get this. This guy's up here yelling. Right? You don't know who Jesus is. Well, let me tell you. He came to earth and loved us so much that he died in our place. Because remember, we were dead. He died in our place so that we might be made alive. And if you don't know who he is, but he seems intriguing to you today, as we worship here in a moment, Our staff and our trustees are gonna be at these two little side tables. Go talk to them. They'll be happy to tell you about this Jesus. Or maybe today you're in this place and you're like, Adam, I already know who Jesus is. I'm already on board with that. I already understand that I'm I'm no longer dead, but now I'm alive. But I understand that in my life, in this place today, I've been causing a little bit of division whether it be amongst your family or your friends or your coworkers, and you're just going, I'm causing division amongst the people around me because I'm not accepting the peace that Christ offers. If that's you today and you wanna have somebody pray with you about that, go to those tables as well. If that's you today and you wanna sit in your chair and, and repent of it here, great. But if that's you today and in your heart something is stirring where you're causing a division of some sort in the world around you, 
God's peace is bigger than that. And it can knock it down. And it can bring shalom or completeness to your life. Or maybe you're here and this world around you seems so crazy and so upside down where one man can kill dozens of people in the matter of minutes and injure hundreds more. And you're here and you don't even know how to function with that. I remember when I read the story Monday morning, my heart was broken and I didn't know what to say. I didn't have words for it. But know this, Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our peace in the midst of this. And if you want somebody just to pray with you, come, come. Let's pray together. God, God, we thank you for who you are. For the fact that we were dead, but now we're alive because of you. And that you bring peace to a world that is broken. That you bring peace to a world that is upside down. Peace to a world that doesn't make sense. Whether it be in our own lives or on the the news or whatever it might be, God, you bring peace to us today. And so God, as we worship and we say yes to that peace, yes to understanding that we are members now of God's household because you've knocked down the walls that divide us and collectively as one body, we can stand and rise up and say yes to that and say, because of who you are, we want to sing your praise today. Because of who you are and what you've done for us, we want to declare you to the world around us. We want to share this peace to the world. So God, as we worship today, move in our hearts. Give us huge voices to to, to declare what you've done for us. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand. Let's worship.